0: And so I hope you guys will join me to welcome one of my really good friends up here. He's really taught me a lot about seeing the kingdom come to Cincinnati and taking a lot more risks than I thought I would before. But Wilson Cochran is going to come up and share the message. Thanks for that warm introduction, Amanda. You actually forgot something, but I'll hold this for you. Um, Actually, Amanda is speaking next month on Saturday night. So you want to make sure you come next. The first Saturday of next month, Amanda will be preaching. It's going to be awesome. She's an awesome preacher. And you know that God made man and woman in his image. So for the fullness of God to really be revealed, women have to play a role in that. So come on. But uh, my wife made me say that. No, I'm just kidding. I fully believe that. Um, Hey, does anyone in the room have like pain, chronic pain in your feet or like some injury, a broken foot or, does anyone have foot pain in the room? Just, okay, cool. Will you just check your pain out for me really quick? Like it's hurting right now. Register right now how your pain feels. Like test it, see what your pain is like. Do something to test your pain. All right, let's just call that right there a 10, okay? The pain you're experiencing right now is a 10. So about two weeks ago, I was at Wingstop with a bunch of the interns and Luke and Amanda. It's this, like, new wing place right across the street that apparently a lot of people don't like, but I'm, I'm a fan of it. So um, anyways, we're there eating lunch, and right when we walk in, I see a young woman on crutches, and she has, like, her foot all wrapped up. And I was like, man, okay, I'm going to pray for her. So after I got through ordering my food, I get through the line, and I go over to her table, and I'm like, hey— um, I just noticed you had like crutches and your foot look wrapped up looks like it's been wrapped up what happened did you hurt it and she's like yeah last week or like just a couple of days ago actually she said I fell down some stairs and broke my foot and you know it's like blah 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 I've gone to the doctor they said it's broken it's really swollen right now so they can't put a cast on it yet but I'm on on these crutches so I just really sympathized with and said man I'm so sorry to hear that uh that's a bummer like that, yeah, that, that's really not good. But, you know, I was wondering if I could just pray for you really quick, because I believe Jesus will heal you and, like, take care of that pain. She's like, yeah, sure. So, like, she was obviously, and the two women she was with, they were obviously believers. And so I just knelt down and asked her, hey, can I, put my, can I touch your feet? She said, sure. So I placed my hands on her foot, and I just said, Jesus, I just welcome your power right now. Holy Spirit, I welcome your presence. Foot be healed. In Jesus' name, all pain I command you to leave right now. Amen. And I was like, okay, so it was hurting before, right? And she said, yeah, like I came in here, it was hurting. I was like, okay, do you want to stand up and like check it out? And her eyes got really big, like what? Like, I thought you were just praying. I didn't know you were gonna actually like expect something to happen. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. If you feel comfortable, would you stand up and like put some pressure on it and check it out? And so she stands up <laughs> and starts to put some pressure on it. And she's like, wow, it actually feels a little better. I was like, okay, if your pain was a 10 before, where is it now? She's like, I don't, I don't even know, like I don't think I don't like, and then she just like shoves her crutches to me and I press them against the wall and she stands up and starts walking back and forth in the restaurant. <laughs> and she's walking, she's walking back and forth and she's like, this is where it hurt. And she's like putting pressure on it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, like be careful, come on. So she's like, man, Jesus healed her foot totally on the spot. That's amazing. Like praise God. But yeah, come on, Jesus. So, Everyone who raised your hand before this, you had foot pain. Will you check your feet out again? Tell me how they feel. Say it was a 10 before. Where's it at now? How's your pain, Mary? Still the same or has it changed? I think it's about the same. Okay, how about you, Melody? It went down some. Awesome. Who else? I saw some people raise their hands. How's your foot pain? Can you check it? <laughs> about the same? Cool. I was just doing a little experiment says better. Awesome. Cool. Well, we want to pray for you guys more after the service, but um, I just wanted to share that story. You know, it says in Revelation that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we hear testimonies of what Jesus has done, we can claim that for ourselves, And we know that he wants to do the same thing in our life, that it's not like exclusive for certain people or that we have to earn it. Luke gave an awesome message a couple weeks ago about how it's God's will to heal everyone and that God's not withholding healing. I'd really encourage you to check out and listen if you if you haven't yet. But uh, yeah, welcome to Vine Northwest. God, you guys are here. <laughs> so the thing that I wanted to talk about this morning is kind of some more like identity stuff. I really feel like God's been teaching me a lot lately about our identity in Him and what all that means, and like that um, at our base level, the most important part of our identity is that we're a child of God. Yeah. Like outside of anything else we do, anything else we are, you know, teachers, pastors, lawyers, whatever, that's all good stuff. But at our base base root of ourself, our core identity is a child of God. And that when we really get that and start to receive that and renew our mind to believe in that way, our life changes. And the way we think changes, the way we interact with others will change. But it's, it's getting rid of like lies that have been built up that um, block our thinking and block our understanding that we're actually children of God. And that's something God's been teaching me about a lot lately. He's been pointing out to me things I've believed about myself or things I've believed about him that are not consistent with what a child believes about their father. They're not consistent with what a son thinks of of their father, what Jesus thought of the father as he walked the earth. But um, before I get into that, I just want to tell you guys another story. Is that okay? Kind of like the one I told earlier. So... I get my haircut down in over the Rhine, and a couple weeks ago, post haircut, my wife and I are walking to um, our car, and we round a corner, and I just see this young woman, about proximate my age, a young mother, and she's down, she's like nose to nose, or practically nose to nose, with her son, who's seven. I mean, maybe seven, probably like five or six. She's just like in his face, berating him, tearing him a new one, like yelling at him for something. Why did you do this? You shouldn't have done that if you ever do this again. And I don't know about you, but man, like one of the things that just gets me going is when I see people like yelling at their kids in public and I like full on just started judging her. I was thinking, what is this horrible mother doing? Someone needs to correct her. This is awful. Like... I hope that, you know, who knows how this is going to affect this kid and stuff. And I just started to get like kind of angry at her. And I'm just feeling like my heart is breaking for that kid. And I'm like, man, I'm going to do something. Like, I'm just like on the tip of my tongue, about to yell at her or something. But I realized pretty quickly, you know, that wouldn't go well. That would probably not be honoring to her or loving. And I would probably end up looking like an idiot somehow in that mix. So, but I still felt like, man, I need to do something. So I squeezed my wife's hand a little tighter and started walking a little faster. And she probably just went, oh no, what's Wilson about to do? And, um, you know, it's a wild life living around me. Like, you never know what's up next. If you want to go out in public with me, you just don't know what I'm going to do. So you got to be careful about that. But um, I just start walking faster towards her and I just start to feel God's love for her. And I start to realize, man, like I've done things just like that before, like, or worse, In, in if we're going to like measure things. Like I, I'm not... I shouldn't be judging her. And I just started feeling God's compassion for her and his love towards her. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go pray for her. I'm just going to ask her if I can pray for her and bless her. So I started getting closer to her. And then this thought just goes through my, through my head that she's been abused and that she'd been hurt as a child and that some of what she was doing now is like an overflow of that. And, you know, I don't know if that was um, right or not. Like I didn't ask her that specific question, but it was, God was starting to speak to me about how he wanted to, how he wanted to minister to her. So as I got closer to her, I just caught up and I was like, hey, excuse me, ma'am, can I tell you something that I think is going to make you smile? Because everyone wants to hear something that's going to make them smile. And uh, she just doesn't respond at all. And so I'm like, okay, I guess that's a yes. Like, for me, that means go for it. <laughs> that, that's a yes for me. That, by default, you just gave me permission. So... I just sort of said, hey, you know, as I was walking towards you, I just started feeling God's love and compassion for you. And I felt like um, he's really going to use you to heal people and to bring like inner healing to people's hearts. And especially to little children. I said, I feel like you have a really, a call on your life to like heal younger children who've been abused and who've been hurt. And she's just nodding her head and she's going, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, ah, I've heard that before. It's like, okay, like, oh, awesome. Like, I guess I'm just confirming stuff. God's been speaking to you. And I realized in that moment that, You know, like that process it took me, like where I started off angry at her and mad at her, and I got to this place of love. Jesus didn't have to do that process. Jesus was always in the place of love towards her. You know, that God sees the best in everyone. Jesus sees the gold in everyone. and He's focused on that. And you know why? It's because he paid for our sin. He paid for everyone's sin. So he has no reason to focus on it because he's already taken care of it. We can't fix our sin. We can't fix ourselves. Jesus fixed it for us. So he doesn't focus on it anymore because he suffered for it and he paid for it. So we have no business focusing on the sin in people's lives. We want to focus on where God is taking them. See, all I did was I flipped the bad things that I saw in her life for the good. Because the worst that someone can be is a reflection of the best they can be. You know, like, the worst place you can get to, the worst things you can do, is only a reflection of the amazing things God wants to do through you. The worst place you're at, you know, Satan's not an author and a creator. He's just a mimicker. All he can do is as bad as the amazing things God has for you. The way this played out in my life, when I was um, 18, I was in YWAM. To a missions organization called Youth to the Mission, and I was spending some time in a discipleship training course with them, a discipleship training school, and um, I was really not following the Lord at all. Like I was raised in church and stuff, but I had kind of like gotten burnt out on on being a pastor's kid and all that stuff. And, uh, so I was just really uh, stopped following the Lord, but I was really hungry for adventure and I wanted excitement. I wanted to do something new. So I signed up for this mission school cause I knew I'd get to go overseas and travel. And as I'm down there, I'm still like really not, I mean, I've been in a sexually active relationship with my girlfriend at the time I'm stealing and shoplifting. I'm just like lying. I'm a jerk wanting to fight, not being nice in my speech at all. Like there is so much bad in my life. Like there's so much sin, sin to be pointed out and corrected. And I'm sitting in class one day. And this guy named Ezra is speaking on the Father Heart of God, and he's sharing his testimony, and he's uh, talking about things he's gone through in life, and a lot of it was really relevant to like stuff I had gone through, so I'm kind of opening it up for the first time in four weeks that I've been there, and I just really felt God speak to my heart, and he said, hey Wilson, missions is going to be a big thing in your life like he said, Wilson, you're going to do missions. Like you're going to stay here. And like my plan was just to do this training school and go home and, um, carry on with the the stuff I was doing before I came to YWAM. But God said, no, that's not what you're going to do. You're going to stay here and you're going to do missions work. And like, there's a call on your life to do missions. And, and as he spoke that to me, I started to feel like, wow, like there's, there's like future for me. There's hope for me. And what God was doing was he wasn't speaking to the present sin situation I was in. He was speaking to the future of where he was going to take me. Like with that woman, I didn't come and speak to her about how she was, in my opinion, being acting inappropriately towards her child. I spoke about what God wanted to do through her and for her and in the future. And that's what God did for me too. Like he could have pointed out all that stuff, but you know that, in the New Testament it never says the Holy Spirit convicts believers of sin. It says that the Holy Spirit convicts believers of righteousness. No, like I'd, I'd encourage you look through and find somewhere in the New Testament where it says that the Holy Spirit convicts believers of sin. It only says He convicts them of righteousness. That means it, the Holy Spirit's there to convict us of what we are to become, where we are going in God, from glory to glory. And you know why? Because when you're stuck in a sin situation, like that's not good. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to get out of that, but He's going to speak to you life so you can pull yourself out of it because we can't solve those situations on our own, we need to see God's perspective on us. We're stuck seeing what we're doing wrong when we need to see what God sees we're going to do right. We need to grab a hold of that and pull ourselves out of of that situation. So this really ties in because it's all about this orphan and um, son thing, the identity piece I want to talk about this morning is really all about how we perceive God and how we perceive him wanting to interact with us. That's what what it comes down to. That's what marks what a son is. They understand how God wants to interact with them. Because, you know, we're not born sons. We're born orphans. (laughs) We're not born in relationship with God. We're born out of relationship with him. Um, Back in December, when I was still living in my parents' house, I, I say that because all the time, I will call my parents' house my house on accident. And, you know, I got married in January. And every time I call my parents' house my house, I get, a, I get some daggers thrown at me for my wife. So just a word to the wise, to guys out there who aren't married yet, just train yourself ahead of time. When you get married, don't call your parents' house your home. Like, that's not your home anymore. But... I'm uh, sitting in my room in my my old room. See, I just did it right there. I'm sitting in my old room at my parents' house. And I'm uh, spending some time just quiet, um, kind of meditating on scripture, having like my quiet time. Which is honestly like the most important part of my day. <laughs> you know, it's so crucial to spend time with the Lord every day and kind of recalibrate yourself. Because it's so easy to get kind of like... Oftentimes, if I don't spend time with Jesus in the morning where I'm just focused on him and I'm not focused on my day, then throughout my day, I'll be led by my emotions. I'll be led by what's going on around me rather than being led by what Jesus has done for me and who he has made me to be. So just, encourage me, like spend time with the Lord every day. He wants, he looks forward to that. He's longing for you to take time. Even if it's just five minutes, man, like you got to start somewhere who in this room couldn't spend five minutes. Like everyone in this room could carve out five minutes from their day to read their Bible. That's just, that, that's a fact. Like start there, start with five minutes of reading your Bible, um, just praying and just listening to God a little bit. And you'll see transformation begin to happen in your life, just from dedicating one-on-one time to the Lord. But I was doing that. I was spending time with him and I was reading uh, John 14. I'm going to pick up in verse 15. So John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. How good is that? The Holy Spirit's with us forever. Forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's a promise right there. Jesus is talking about how the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill us and be in us. And um as I'm reading that I'm just getting kind of pumped and excited, like that's awesome truth. And I stop right there, verse seventeen. I, I stop with that, that line, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I scan down the page um, and I notice verse twenty seven, because I have it I have it underlined in my Bible. And John fourteen twenty seven says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. But that first part really jumped out to me. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. You know, that's, that's Jesus talking. Jesus saying that he's giving us his peace. <laughs> how amazing is that? We've been given the gift of Jesus's peace. Like, how do you know that Jesus... His peace is pretty good. Like, that's a good deal to have Jesus's peace. That's what we have access to. So in every situation of our life, every financial crisis, um, when our health isn't good, when your kids are acting dumb, whatever, we have Jesus's peace. We have Jesus's peace, okay? So I just want to take a second and rest in that. Let's just rest in his peace for a second. And actually, when I read this verse, that's what I did. I just said, I'm going to calm down for a second. I'm going to close my eyes and just meditate on God's peace. And I just sat there and meditated on that. So just close your eyes with me. Put your hand over your heart or just kind of relax a little bit. We're just going to relax in his peace, okay? I have to sit down and relax. So Father, thank you that you've given us your peace. You said my peace I give to you. You left peace with us. We receive that peace. We just take that peace right now. We receive your peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Just release more of your peace. Lots of you guys are just feeling like kind of slower, like you're just feeling really still. That's God's peace just resting on you. Just imagine the things that are um, hard for you right now. Any, any situations that are bringing stress and just let his peace go and flow over that situation. I just release the Father's peace over every situation in our life right now. Hmm. So that's pretty good, right? Can you guys just feel that? Just kind of resting in that peace, just slowing down. And as I was doing that, Um, for some reason, I felt like, hey, I'm going to start praying for people right now. Dumb. Like, no. If God's ministering His peace to you, just keep receiving His peace. And God said to me, He's like, Wilson, that's dumb. Don't do that. Don't pray right now. Just keep resting in my peace. And I'm glad I did, because right after that, He spoke to me, and He said, Wilson, you're not an orphan anymore. And then He said it again. He said, Wilson, you're not an orphan anymore. And I was like, okay. uh, uh, I never was an orphan. What? I'm not sure what that's about. Like, you know, I have amazing parents. I've never felt like I've been in need. I've never been in lack for food or clothing or shelter. I've never felt like you were going to leave me God. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not an orphan. Like, I don't know why you're like, this must not be God. That's not God. No, it's, that, that was just my imagination running wild. Like, okay. And then I pick my Bible back up and I start reading and I go to verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. <laughs> So right after I get done telling that to God, he comes and he's like, okay, you didn't get it the first time, but here, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And see, the thing is, is I said this earlier, we're all born as orphans. We're all born as spiritual orphans. We're born out of relationship with the Father. And that's what every human needs more than anything else is to get back into relationship with the Father. And it's not like a thing we have to work for or do. It's something Jesus did for us. In fact, in John 1, 12, he says, yet to all those, John's right, he says, yet to all those who did receive him, talking of Jesus, yet to all those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right or the authority to become children of God. How many of you know that if you need to be given the right to be something, that means that before that, you didn't have the right. Right? <laughs> Okay, So if he gave us the right to become children of God, that means that we have changed. We have left being an orphan. That's how you used to be. And now you've become a child of God. You are now in the kingdom of God and you're no longer an orphan. You're a child of God. And um, w- with this, we have to meditate on this and like really let this sink in. Because that's kind of the point of my message today is that we, care, we walk around thinking we're not orphans, but really we've carried, and we're not orphans, but we've carried around thinking from, an, from our orphan past into our new child state. We've carried thinking patterns that aren't how a child thinks, aren't how a son thinks, but how an orphan thinks and feels. And here I want to read you guys something in Romans. It really kind of, one of the big things that, that the orphan spirit, the orphan mentality as I'm going to be talking about more, carries is just underlying fear. And Paul talks about this in Romans 8. He says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. That's saying that our original state of being is fear and being an orphan. That's, if we're falling back into that means that's, that's where we used to be. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So I want to define more what 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 I mean by an orphan mentality. Again, I want to make it really clear that if you're born again, if you're saved, if you're in the kingdom of God, you're a child of God, you're a son or daughter of God, and you are not an orphan. But you may still have some orphan thinking. You may have some thinking you need to replace and think like a son instead of an orphan. And so an orphan mentality is really um, a marker of that is someone who doesn't think like a son. Do you get that? It's really deep. If an orphan mentality is when you don't think like a son. Okay. A son mentality, that's someone who knows where they stand with God, and they think like Jesus. An orphan, an, a son mentality is someone who knows where they stand with God, they think this way, meaning they think how Jesus thought. You know, we want to have the mind of Christ. We've been given the mind of Christ. We need to renew our minds to get back there. Okay? In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed... You know that word transformed? I'm not a Hebrew, I'm not a Greek scholar. My dad is, so he told me this. But that word transformed is the same word that's used at the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus is turned into like glory and like his clothes are shining and all that. Like we're being transformed, like we're being transfigured. Like it's something amazing is happening. The capacity of the way we have to think is like how Jesus thought. And so in Romans twelve two it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so, you may, so that you may be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is a process that we have to do to renew our minds, to think like Jesus, to think like a son. And the best, here's, if you take nothing else from my message, here's the key takeaway. Jesus is more committed to your mind being renewed than you are. Jesus is more committed to your thoughts getting aligned with his and to you growing and to you maturing than you are to doing it yourself, okay? He is, he is totally faithful to help us renew our minds and to become, begin to think like him. So take a sigh of relief. The burden of your spiritual growth is not just on your shoulders. It's on Jesus's shoulders. That's why he says to take his yoke because it's easy and light. He does the work in the relationship. Jesus is the pursuer. We're not the pursuer. Jesus is the pursuer. And that's a good word. So the thing is, is that he's, he, he likes to pursue us when we set time aside for him to do that. Like, I'm not saying he's not going to do that outside of personal time with him. But the most work that's been done in my life is done in the intimate time alone with Jesus. Bar none. Like, all of the growth in my life, 99% of it comes from spending time with him alone. Spending personal time with him. That's where growth comes. Because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our comforter. So when we spend time with him, he teaches us and he comforts us. For all of the amount of time we spend in services and like with, with other people, we need to be spending time alone with the Father. Just spending time letting Him speak to us, letting Him minister to us. And to, to eliminate especially orphan thinking, orphan mentalities, we need to spend time alone with Him. We need to give Him these intimate platforms to speak to us and to teach us and to show us where we're thinking wrong. And that's the theme in these, in, I mean, in that first one, like I wasn't even seeking out, figuring out the orphan mentality thing. God did it for me because I was spending time with him because I, was, I made time available to listen to him. And I closed down all the other stuff that's speaking to me. You know, they're like, all the worries, they, they compete with God's voice. I'm not saying that God can't speak through that and pierce through that, but that stuff can kind of like clog it up sometimes. So when we set time aside just to hear from him transformation happens in our life. We're transfigured. <laughs> and so it's important to spend these times of intimacy with the Lord and let him root out the wrong ways of thinking and believing we have. An example of this is about a month ago, I was down at Lake Norris. Who, who all has been down to Lake Norris in Tennessee it's an awesome place. It's really cool. Um, Luke's parents own a huge, well, Luke, yeah, Luke's dad owns a huge cabin there. And um, a lot of those house group leaders go down there once a year just to spend time getting refreshed and worshiping together and casting vision for what God's doing. Because, you know, God's doing an awesome thing amongst amongst young adults in Cincinnati right now. Like, God is really moving. There's, every Friday night between two house groups, there's like 55 people all shouting their shouting at our lungs worshiping Jesus and on Thursday nights the same thing is happening like we're gathering just for the reason to worship him and to be sent out and to be like him like that's contagious man there's a fifth house group starting in um next week in Blue Ash go check it out it's gonna be awesome but uh Where's I going with that? Okay, so I'm down at the retreat, spending time with different house group leaders, spending time with the Lord, and um, we're in this time of worship where we're all kind of just like worshiping on our own and singing, like, you know, we use this language, it's kind of weird language, but singing our own song to God. What that means is just singing from your heart. You know, worship leaders say, sing your own song, sing in the spirit. They're saying, sing what's on your heart to the Lord. Just sing out whatever you're feeling to him, direct it to him. So I'm singing, Jesus, I love you. And I'm just singing that over and over. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. And then it switched for some reason. I don't know why, but I switched and I started singing, Jesus, you love me. And I just started singing that over and over. And this peace kind of came over me. And God spoke to me and said, Wilson, that's right. I love you. Your love for me pales in comparison to my love for you. You need to focus on my love for you. A son is focused on receiving the father's love. An orphan mentality always has to be telling God that they love him, has to be doing things towards God. I'm not saying it's bad to tell God you love him, but it's much more important to focus on his love for you. Because that's how a son thinks. A son is focused on receiving from the father. That's the position of a son. A son is meant to receive from their father. And so that's the first, that's the first piece of orphan mentality I want to point out. An orphan mentality does things towards God and for God more, and they're, they're focused more on what they can do for God rather than what he has done for them. The towards and the to in this situation is from God towards us, okay? We need to focus on God's love towards us more than our love towards him. Because his love is everlasting. His love doesn't run out. Our love kind of can wane at times. There's moments in my day where I'm not loving God very well. Where I'm not loving in my speech and my actions. But his love never changes. His love for you is constant and unfailing, It cannot be diminished or diluted ever because it's dependent on him. It's his character. Everything God does comes from his heart and it just doesn't end. Like his love doesn't end towards us. So when we focus on his love, we can live from love rather than towards love. Do you get that? We want to live from God's love rather than towards his love. A practical example of this in my life, as you guys know, and I I just shared two stories about it, I love evangelism. Like, dude, I love evangelism. I love going out and telling people how much God loves them. And you know why? It's because everybody is on a journey towards Jesus. Everyone in the world. I mean, for believers, we're on a journey of deeper intimacy and enriching the relationship we already have. But for people who don't know him, they're on a journey. God desires for them to be saved. You know, it says that he desires all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. That means that everyone is on a journey in that direction. And the reason we do evangelism is because everyone isn't going to make it there unless we do it. You know that? That everyone is not going to make it into relationship with God unless we go and be links in that chain. Unless we go contribute to that journey. And that's what we're doing. We're not saving people. The Holy Spirit does that job. We can't save people. The Holy Spirit does that. We can make ourselves available, though. We can tell people, hey, Jesus loves you. Hey, this is random and weird, but could I just pray for you really quick? Because Jesus loves you. And what's the worst thing that happens is no. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Like, and then, even then, Jesus said that if he was rejected, we would be rejected too. And in fact, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the Father. So we don't get rejected. I don't suffer from rejection because I can't be rejected. <laughs> Jesus said that you can't be rejected. They're rejecting me anyways. So do evangelism, man. Just take a step. <laughs> Everyone has their own journey to grow in evangelism. You're how you love on others. Isn't going to be how I do it. And I'm not putting that burden on you. Maybe you're not at a place where you could go to a random stranger on crutches and pray for them, but you could go, Hey, could I just, I just want to tell you God loves you. And I hope your foot gets better. That's evangelism. Telling people, making them aware of God's love for them when they otherwise wouldn't have been thinking about it, that's evangelism. It's just loving people. Evangelism is spelled L-O-V-E. It's just love. It's loving people intentionally outside of the walls of the church. But, okay, so... I was talking about how an orphan mentality does things towards God. It's really easy for me to do evangelism towards God, to get in that place of like, I want to perform for God. I want to pray for someone because, you know, I know that'll make God happy or I'm doing things towards God rather than doing it from God. Rather, like, I pray for the sick because God healed me. I want to heal others because I have been healed. I want to give other people encouraging words and prophesy to strangers because God speaks to me. It's just an overflow. What he does to me, I want to give away, and I want to do to others. Do you see that? It's it's living from him instead of towards him. Let me take a drink of water. So again, an orphan mentality does things towards and for God. A son does things from God. The son mentality realizes that we do things from him. It's from his love. It's empowered by his love. It's not to earn his love or to get closer to his love. Okay. A couple weeks ago, we had. Does everyone know here that we have interns for the for house group for the young adults? Are all the interns in here? Jamie, we stand up. And Nathaniel, is Grant and Derry in here? I think. Well, Grant, stand up. Derry just ran out the back. But clap for our interns. They're awesome. <laughs> All right, and then Derry, the girl singing right here, she's also an intern. Um, We just started a new phase of internships, it's awesome. And uh, every Tuesday morning, all the interns meet together with Luke and Jen and I, and we spend time just worshiping, and um, like growing spiritually, and different kind of talks and stuff. And one morning, Derry, who's, who's leading worship this morning, was leading us through an activity where we were supposed to meditate on a certain verse. And she gave us like a bunch of categories, like some verses about God being merciful, some about him being uh, just different categories. I can't remember them. But I picked a verse out of Deuteronomy and I was, I was reading it and she said, just pick the line in the verse that you want to meditate on that speaks to you. So I picked out, for some reason, the, the part of the verse that said, I will not leave you. And it was God promising to the Israelites that he'd never leave them. You know, that's a promise that carries over to us. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna focus on that. And as I'm kind of meditating on this 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 thing that God will not leave us, I'm just sitting there and kind of soaking in that. Um, I, think, I started thinking to myself, like, wait, why am I even thinking about this verse? Like, I've never felt like God I've never felt like God has left me. I've never felt like my parents left me. I've never felt like this huge wounding in my life about being left. I'm not fearful of being left. I'm um, like, why did I even pick this verse? And then I think, oh, well, maybe it's because I'm going to like pray for someone. Or I'm going to minister to someone who has been left. And I need like that revelation for myself, you know, so I can minister out of that. And, you know, that must be why. And then again, I was like, God, oh, I don't think that's it. And it just hit me. It just kind of like dawned on me. Wait, if God is speaking this to me, then it's probably good just to receive it. <laughs> like God spoke this to me. So I'm just going to chill out and, hey, Lord, if, you're willing, if you want to tell me that you're not going to leave me, I, I, I want to receive that. I want my heart to understand that more. Like Even though I don't think I need it, I'll receive that more. I'll take anything from you. And he spoke to me that moment. He said, Wilson, good. You're thinking like a son because a son wants things they don't need when they come from their father. The orphan mentality only wants what they think they need. But here's also the truth. Anything God wants to give us, we need. (laughs) Okay, so just get that straight. But in the moment, I didn't think I needed that. So I was thinking, oh, well, there must be a reason for it. You know, like that's towards God. You know, like there must be a reason for it. I got to go towards him. No, he's saying, hey, anything I want to give you is good for you to receive. You you need to just receive anything I want to give you. Even if you don't understand it, open up your heart and let me minister to you through this. And so that's the second point I had was that orphan mentality only wants what they are in need of. The orphan mentality only sees things as useful if they need them. So I'm kind of going to wrap this up. I'm almost going over, but it's, we got to spend this intimate time with the Lord in order to figure out where we're thinking like an orphan. Because all of us, I mean, it's a progressive journey. We'll be on the rest of our lives, I think, to totally eliminate orphan thinking. But we need to continue to be stepping towards understanding that God loves us and that we're children. We're sons and daughters. You know, as I preach this message, I want to recognize that there might be some people in this room that are actually orphans. Like, I'm not talking like in in human wise, but like you're a spiritual orphan. You're not in relationship with a father. And I want to give it, I'm going to give an opportunity in a second for you to receive Jesus and for you to become a son or a daughter. First, I just want to explain that we're all born out of relationship with the Father. It says in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that means that we need someone else to link, to to connect that link for us so we can get back in relationship with Him. And Jesus came and did that. Jesus came and died for you and you and you. He came and died for every single person in this room to restore us into relationship with the Father. He desires that all people would be saved. And so I want to give an opportunity right now for anyone who hasn't, I mean, this is gonna take some boldness and courage, but anyone who is not in relationship with a father, who's not not born again, who's not a Christian, or if you're just not sure, or if you want to recommit your life to Christ, I'd ask you to just be courageous and just raise your hand and stand up. If that's anybody that wants to commit their life to Christ right now. I have another kind of ministry thing I want to do after that. But if if you want to enter in a relationship, just raise your hand up so I can see it. Awesome. Will you guys just stand up? Will that be okay? I don't want to embarrass you. Cool. So I'm just going to pray for you and just pray with me, all right? Just pray this in your heart. You can pray it out loud. But Lord, I just thank you that you love me. You three, just repeat after me. Lord, I thank you that you love me. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I know that I need you in my life. Right now, I want to make you my Savior and my Lord. Thank you that you're coming and filling me right now. I receive your Holy Spirit. So I just welcome your presence, Lord, to come and fill these three individuals, these three children of God who are no longer orphans, but they're children. I just bless you, and I welcome you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, Jesus. Jesus. Awesome. You guys can sit down. I'd really encourage you guys after the service to come down front and receive some prayer and some more kind of direction on your spiritual journey. That's amazing. Praise God. You guys are amazing. Um, Yeah. I want to do... There was another thing that I felt like God wanted to minister to, like kind of corporately before we go into worship. And that was anyone who really was relating with my message today. Anyone who feels like, man, I've been struggling with some of this orphan thinking. I've been living towards God. I've only been wanting things from God that I needed. Can anybody relate with that? Like you feel like this is for you? Will you just stand up also? I want to pray for you guys. And it's okay. Like, doesn't everyone is able to stand up. This is a certain thing for certain people right now. So yeah, just put your hands out like you're about to receive a gift. And if there's someone standing near you, just lay your hand on their shoulder. Yeah, I'd love for someone to lay hands on everyone around. There's a couple people. There's a guy over here. June, if you... Oh, June, yeah. Put a hand on her. Cool. So, yeah, look around. And if there's someone standing up that doesn't have a hand on their shoulder, if you could go toss a hand on their shoulder, that'd be awesome. There's one over here that... It'd be cool if someone put their hand on the shirt. But okay, so Lord, I just thank you for the humility it takes to recognize we are in need. So I just bless everyone who stood up and recognized that they are in need of you in a certain area. I bless that vulnerability that you are stepping into right now. I bless that and I thank you, God, that you're working in them right now. And right now, in Jesus' name, I just speak to orphan thinking and orphan spirit, and I command it to leave right now. Be free from an orphan spirit, an orphan mentality. In Jesus' name, I release the understanding and the revelation to you that you are loved by the Father. In Jesus' name, I bless you. And I just speak sonship over you. You You're a son and a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You unravel me With a melody, you surround me with a song.